The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Keeper Cup podcast. I'm Chad Young, joined as always by Pete Ball. We are here today to talk two topics, one of which I think we're pretty excited to talk about, and one of which, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Pete, but the uh, reliever top 10 list is not my not my most anticipated episode of the year. No, definitely not. But I mean, for Keeper Leagues, definitely not. But Chad, did you see that screenshot floating around of somebody taking Josh Hader and uh, Liam Hendricks at the 12-13 turn? I did see that and I was like, I saw it and I was like, that's crazy. And then I was like, well, could there be like, is there an argument for that? And I was like, no, there's not. No, no, there is not. (laughs) I mean, the the challenge is like one of the things. So like uh, Chris Clegg, who we've had on the show before, who is a a, uh, over at fan tracks and he's over. He said fantasy pros now, too. I think you can just add it in other place. So but uh, Chris was tweeting earlier about how when you're draw when you're when you're drafting from the turn. You can't worry about ADP. You got to take your guys, even if it seems like it's early, because they're not coming back to you, right? As, right. And, and that's especially true in like a 15-teamer, but even in a 12-teamer. And so, I, you know, the one case I could make is if you don't, if you if you want to go big on saves and you want to go get those two elite closers and you don't take them at 12-13, they're not going to be there at 36-37. Right. And that's your next, those should be your next two picks. Is that right? Something, yeah. something like that. Yeah. End of the third, start of the fourth. So, I mean, 36, 37. I get that, but that means that you want to spend those two picks on those two. And I just, well, I don't, I don't understand why, why do people think they need to win saves and steals by like 80? You just got to win them by one. That's it. Yeah. I think the bigger thing is why do people think that? the best way to win saves and steal like steal actually I, saves and steals are different i i don't believe the best way to win saves is necessarily by getting the top two or three closers like and maybe that's not true maybe maybe like drafting Hendricks and hater you're probably going to win saves right but i don't need to win saves either i could come in fourth in saves Right. And that would be fine. <laughs> and, right. and I can do that without spending that kind of capital. So, but that's not really, 
the more exciting part of what we want to talk about. And that's no, not really where no, we no. want to God, start no. this episode. So <laughs> Yeah, we started going down a hole there that uh, yeah. we might not have made it well, out of. That's right. But we'll come back to it. But this episode, we are recording right now on Wednesday, February 9th. This episode will release on, on Valentine's Day. Monday, February 14th. This is our, our Valentine's Day episode. How, how romantic. Lovely. Uh, but Valentine's Day. <laughs> Valentine's Day is also the day before the Otter New Keeper deadline. Um, it is, there may be keeper deadlines in other leagues too, but even for people who are outside of Otter New, this is sort of keeper decision season, trade decision season. And so we did a mailbag a couple weeks ago. And we got more questions than we could answer. So we put out another call and we got, again, more questions. And we'll see if we can get through all the questions we got today. Some of these are really interesting. We got some great questions from uh, lots of different sources on lots of different types of leagues. I'm very, very excited about this. And it may only leave us with 10 minutes to talk about relievers at the end, but I don't care. So we're yeah, going to do this. That'll, that'll be okay. And we'll get to relievers when we get to relievers. <laughs> so with that, Pete, our first question comes from at Heckman Matt one at Heckman underscore Matt one fifteen on Twitter. He tells us he's got a $10 Gavin Lux, a $7 Nate Pearson and $4 Tyler Molly. I'm having a really hard time deciding on, and this is in an auto new league. It is league 1019. If anyone cares. It's got the cap room to keep them. It's just deciding on if my roster spaces are more valuable and prospects don't typically go for too much in this league. So maybe he could just cut them and get them back cheaper. So, you know, he's saying like, maybe he gets Lux for $7 instead of 10 head to head fan graphs points. So I'm not sure how much the fact that it's head to head sways me on any of these guys. The fact that it's fan graphs points tells us a little bit about their value. I'll let you go first. What do you think of these three guys? Yeah, so I think, first of all, Molly at $4. Yes, right. I mean, I don't know if there's much more to, to be said there, uh, especially in fan grass points where the you know the strikeouts are that much better or that much more impactful, and, and Molly gets them. So Molly, $4, I'm in. And I think the other two, like, I like Gavin Lux more than Pearson at this point. I don't like him as much in fan grass points. And I think $10 for Lux, even if you like him, is like a lot. So I, th I think I could get Lux back at the same point in time. If you're really into Gavin Lux, then there is a chance, I guess he goes for more, you know, especially if news breaks that Muncie's going to get Tommy John or something like that. Then I, I think Gavin Lux and, and, and Lux's spot in the lineup is actually probably pretty safe regardless of where Muncie is with the DH coming. So I could see you keeping him, but with Pearson, that's a cut for me because I'm pretty confident you're going to be able to get Pearson back for cheaper. I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Chad, but a $6 Nate Pearson, that, sound, that feels expensive. It's a $7 Nate Pearson, so that's even worse. $7. Yeah, even worse. <laughs> um, so I, I, I agree with you on Molly. Like, I, I have Molly as a $5 value. So like at $4, you're not going to get him back for less. I actually think he probably goes for more because it... Right. Like it only takes one other manager in your league to be high on him for him suddenly to go for like eight or nine bucks. So to me, Molly is an easy keep. Pearson's an easy cut. Uh, I don't think he's close to $7 in value. Lux is definitely the toughest. And, and I would cut him because I don't think he's worth that. Here is my philosophical position on cutting guys in order to get them back for less. 
The only time I do that is if I think a player is way overpaid, right? So like, this is maybe a bad example because this is in a league that I'm in that it's a league you're in too, uh, that the Fangraph staff league, there's a $23 Zach Gallon on one of the rosters. And I, I commented to my co-manager, Niv, that I kind of want to trade for Gallon just to cut him. Because I think he's more like a, a 10 to $12 value with a lot of upside, who even if the bidding goes crazy, maybe gets up to 17, 18, maybe 19, but I don't think he pushes 23. And I'd be willing to take that gamble. With a guy at like $10 or less, if you really believe in Gavin Lux, the three bucks you might save by cutting him and getting him back at $7 is not worth it to me. So philosophically on a guy that inexpensive, if you think, if you think you'd go to seven or eight bucks on Lux, I don't think cutting him to try to save $2 is smart. The challenge for me is I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to that on Lux, right? So that's, that's the bigger thing for me. Like I wouldn't go to eight bucks on Lux. And so like, to me, I would cut him. And if I got him back, if I got him at six or seven, I might be very happy with that. But if someone else paid eight, I don't care. I'm fine with someone else paying eight for him. But if he was a guy, I'm trying to think of a good example of a guy who's in that price range who I'm higher on. And I'm looking at some of my values right now. Um, maybe this is a good example. So uh, it's maybe a rough example because I just asked you about him in a trade today. <laughs> but Lourdes Gurriel Jr., you you actually have him at $8. I have him as an 8 I think you have him at $8. I have him as $8 on my sheet. If I had a $10 Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who, I, who I'm high on. I'm excited about what he can do this year. I think $8 is a fair price, but I see the upside beyond that. I, I would not cut a 10 or even an 11 or $12 Guriel in the hopes I get him for that eight because he could easily go for 15 because of the way the auction runs. And like, it's just not, it's not worth, the upside's not worth it. It's just not worth it to save a couple bucks. So my my advice on Lux is cut him because I don't think he's worth that $10. But if you think you're going to spend seven or eight on him and you believe he's worth that, then I would probably, I don't know. I guess that, that's the question is like, are you going to be, are you going to be upset if somebody else gets him for eight or nine? If the answer is yes, and then you're going to end up bidding nine or 10, just keep him. If the answer is like, no, if someone else wants to pay nine bucks for him, that's their problem. Then you cut him. Yeah, I just there's too many players that profile similarly to Lux that like I can't imagine being so attached to him that I'd feel like I'd have to keep him at that price. So I, I would fall into that camp of just cut him, especially at middle infield. Like middle infield's right. so deep right now. There's so many interesting names. I just I'd be out. Um, oh man, there's a side note here that maybe we should have started the episode with. <laughs> All caps. Why don't Why don't you tell this story? <laughs> Oh, I forgot. About, yes. So actually, it's actually funny because I, I I looked up their keeper rules and I think they like basically took what anyway. So I've been playing on ESPN for 15 years, right? Um, this will be my 15th season on their platform. Maybe it's my 16th. I don't even know. And I've been playing in keeper leagues on ESPN for however many years I've been playing there minus one. My first ever fantasy league was a redraft. And then I got into keeper leagues after that. And they've never changed their settings ever, ever. It's always been you set as the league manager, you set how many players a manager can keep. And the only 
like way that they keep them is it takes away their first picks. So if you're a keep three league, everybody in the league keeps three and they lose their first three picks, which is nonsense because if you drafted Cedric Mullins in the 25th round last year and somebody else is just keeping, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for the third straight season, you're paying the same price, which is not fair, right? Like that's not really how a keeper league should be run. And so I saw ESPN. I can't remember if I did this before they went down for maintenance or after, but I reached out to their support team and I got into a chat. I want to say with uh, with like someone named Meredith or something. I don't even know if it was their real name. And I said, like, hey, like, can we finally attach the, the round that you drafted a player into their keeper value? Or can you at least make it flexible so that league managers can set the round you lose your draft pick in depending on who you keep? It's kind of a hard thing to, to verbalize, but it, it's just how most keeper leagues are run on other platforms. And they did it. They did it. So, like, I'm taking this victory lap. I'm 100%. I'm 125% confident that this was because of me. I'm just going to take this win. And if you go to their rules on their support page, the example that they give is, like, exactly what I said to the person. So, if you play on ESPN Keeper Leagues, you're welcome. So, there you go. Keeper Cop Podcast, <laughs> making a difference. One rule change at ESPN at a time. It's huge. Work, it really is. I mean, my, all my keeper leagues are changing now. It's 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 a huge development. It's awesome. That's that's um, it, that is and that is the way it should work for sure. Like that's a oh, big without a question. And, yeah, and this is that's a little like a almost like a teaser because coming up we we're gonna have an episode where we talk about the rules for our listener leagues, and one of the conversations we're gonna have is how should keepers work? What should the cost be? Should it just be your first few picks, or should there be a your last round plus one whatever? And uh. You've now heard Pete's point of view on that, which is one I share, which is that it should never just be your first few picks. It should always be some sort of cost. It's just a question of figuring out what it should be. So don't dump that on your league mates right away. You know, just because there's this rule change. If that hasn't been your rule, you need to do another draft where you have your typical rules and let everybody know ahead of time that we're making this change for the 2023 draft. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like keepers right now. That And that is, it's, I think, just generally good advice for any long-standing league, uh, whether it's Keeper League, Dynasty League, like if you're changing rules, you should change them early enough that everybody can adjust. And so I, I have been in leagues where like something like this comes up and unanimously everyone's like, no, 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 we should change this now. It's so much better. And if you get unanimous agreement, do whatever you want. Yeah. But in general, yeah, your policy should be like, oh, ESPN finally fixed this. This year business as usual, but we're deciding now that next year we're going to go to the new rule so that when you're drafting this year, you know what that means. For sure, exactly. that's the way to do it. So next question for our mailbag as we dive back into this comes from Ian at ENK917. Says he's in a standard 12-team, 5-by-5, one-catcher league. 12 teams, 5-by-5, one-catcher. Picks 12 keepers. You lose the round, you keep the player in, right? So this is exactly what we're just talking about. If you took Cedric Mullins in the 20th round last year, you lose your 20th pick if you keep him. His choices, I'm sort of confused. If they, I can't tell if these are his choices or the guys he says he's keeping, but he's got uh, Trey Turner in the first round, Cedric Mullins in the 15th, Sal Perez in the 14th, Logan Webb in the 16th, Corbin Burns in the 3rd, uh, Jose Altuve in the fifth, Lance Lynn in the twelfth, 
Pete Alonzo in the ninth. It says keepers held for three years. You added this one. So is there context you want to add to, to yeah. what's going on here? Yeah, I think he, he when he sent it to me in uh, the DM, it copy and pasted weird. Um, so he he needs to choose five. When he said I pick 12, he's picking from the 12 spot. Um, so he needs to pick five of these oh. guys. That's my inability to read. So he is picking from he's got the 12th pick in a 12 teamer. He's picking at the turn. Uh, that probably means he won the championship last year. So congrats on your championship. Unless your league has weird rules. You need to pick <laughs> five of these guys, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We had a little bit of a, of a back and forth, um, on the DM. And so I told him I'd I'd throw it on the show for discussion. I mean, so, so Mullins in the 15th seems like the first most obvious choice. I I think picking 12th, I think I would take, I mean, that's effectively giving up a second to take Turner, right? Because 12 and 13 are like, you're picking 12th and 13th. So giving up either one of them doesn't matter. And, and unless I guess I'll say this, if you expect a lot of people to give up their first round picks, I could maybe, maybe see not keeping Turner. But I think in general, I'd, like giving up the 12th pick to get Turner is is pretty good value. So I think I do keep those two. Um, I'm, I'm probably keeping, so I'm certainly keeping Logan Webb in the 16th. So that's, that's yep. three for me. Boy, I, I, you know, it's so funny. We, we've talked so much about how we're going to end up with no shares of Sal Perez between us because his cost is too high. <laughs> but a 14th round Sal Perez seems like a, even in a one catcher league, a 14th round Sal Perez feels like a keep to me. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't, I don't even want to say anything because so far we are lockstep. I want to see if you choose the same fifth guy as me, but oh, uh, so, so yeah. Turner Mullins, <laughs> Perez Webb and the fifth. It's like, I mean, I like, I like, burns a lot i don't round three is sort of a high price but altuve i it's probably either just sucking it up and paying the price for burns or alonzo in the ninth i assume that's pete alonzo there aren't other alonzo yes out there, are there no yonder alonzo retired oh, a long time oh. ago <laughs> edgardo alonzo i guess edgardo alfonso wasn't it I'm getting confused. Uh, P. Alonzo in the ninth, I think, is my fifth. Wow! Did so like yours? that was that was amazing. That was the. Can I tell you what I messaged him? That was like sure. well, that was exactly what I said to him. Uh, my message back was: It hurts to give up your first, but giving the twelfth pick for Trey feels worth it. Sal for a fourteenth, Mullins for a fifteenth, Webb for a sixteenth. Those feel like slam dunks. Burns in round three is still good value, but I kind of like Alonzo round nine more, and just getting a potentially slightly lesser starter in round three. Uh, that was, we did not stage this. That was incredible. That was ridiculous. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, good work. I guess we're, in, we're yeah. We should just move on before we, before we. Yeah, yeah we're good. We're, I, I think next question. <laughs> I think your point about getting a slightly lesser pitcher in round three is an interesting one too. Like, I think it's just the difference between what you could get there. Um, and Burns versus the ninth round pick in Alonzo. I think like that is the, that's the difference to me. So if he didn't like Logan Webb, that would be the only, (laughs) that would be the only situation in which I would, I would consider Burns is if we weren't keeping Webb, but Webb in the 16th might be the most obvious of those choices. And so if I already got one pitcher in the bag, I'm taking value on the bats. I think, I think Mullins in the 15th is the most obvious. All right. 
Uh, let's jump to our next one. <laughs> I didn't even realize this. This one comes from at Pete B Baseball. So, so why don't you tell me what your question is and I'll answer it for you. Yeah. So I, I'm going to be extremely quick because I, I didn't, we added like 15 questions after this. Um, I already traded away Ty France. So it's kind of moot. Basically I'm deciding between, I'm deciding between a $31 Nolan Arenado and a $20 Max Muncy. I feel like I have to hold on to one of them. Um, and the, the problem is obviously Muncy's hurt, but Arenado is really expensive. I think I'm leaning Arenado because I'll still have quite a lot of money to spend, but that's, I, I feel like a lot of managers are facing a similar difficult decision, which is why I thought I'd throw it on the, uh, on the notes again to me. So like, to me, this isn't an either or like they're two independent decisions of like, should you keep Arenado or should you keep Muncie? $20 Muncie is like right at that point at which I'm like, man, it's still cheap enough that I could, I could see it uh, despite the risk. Arenado, this is a five by five, you said? Yeah, this is a Roto five by five. Huh. I'm trying to think about like Arenado and a five by five at $31. And if you, if you don't, you're basically going, you're going empty at either second base or third base. If I keep Arenado, then I'm going to keep a $4 Luis Arias. If I keep Muncie, I'm going to cut Arias and Arenado. So it's really a $35, $35 worth of Arenado and Arias and versus $20 for Muncie. Even though I've been sort of down on Muncie because of the risk, I, I think I like a $20 Muncie more than a $31 Arenado. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'm too low on Arenado, but I just, I don't know. I, he feels more like a 20 to $25 five by five guy. Whereas Muncy feels like he might be like a 25 to $30 guy if he's actually healthy and plays. And so even with the risk, I'm willing to take that chance, I think. Yeah, that's fair. And actually it's kind of similar to the conversation we were having earlier where I think I, I, I could cut Arenado and if someone else buys him for $31, I'll be okay with it. But I wouldn't be surprised if I end up trying to get him back for cheaper. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I, I think it's a, a logical path to take. Yeah. All right, let's jump to our next one. This is from uh, my friend Josh. This is one of our European listeners. He's in Switzerland. He, he sent us a question Sweet. last year. Uh, and last year, I, I didn't get all the details I was talking to him, but one of the, one of the players involved in his keeper question last year was, was Corbin Burns who he wasn't sure about the cost and he had difficult choices to make. And I think we ended up saying was like, you can't like, if you really are worried about Burns, you should shop him and try to trade him, but don't cut him. Like he should be one of your keepers. He failed to make a trade. He kept him. And he is obviously one of the keepers this year <laughs> as a no brainer. So that was a, that was good advice from us, I guess. But so he's coming back for more. So this is a different league, actually. And he came in and he said, you just give us some background and some rules here. Um, I This is a five by five. Said, you can't keep anyone taken in the first two rounds. So anybody taken in the first or second round last year is not eligible to be kept. Anyone you take in rounds three through five, the keeper cost is two rounds higher. So if you take a guy in the third, you, call, you give up your first. You take a guy in the fifth, keep a guy in the fifth, you give up your third. Anyone from round six plus the keeper cost is the same round. So a fifth round pick costs you your third, but a sixth round pick costs you your sixth. 
okay. and any undrafted players, any of your free agents you pick up, you, you keep for your last round. You can keep four players. You can't keep a player for more than three years. I'm not sure how much I care about the more than three years piece, except for the fact that he might have some guys in here who he's already kept once or twice. And so I might be, I might be missing. Like there, there may be data we're missing because of that. But his sure. basic question is, he's got three guys he drafted who he thinks are worth keeping. And then a whole bunch of guys he picked up during the season that he could keep for his last round pick. And he's trying to figure out which four to keep. His four guys are the hitter Shohei Otani. Not the, it's not both. It's just the hitter for a 12th round pick. Fernando Tatis Jr. for a ninth round pick. Wander Franco for a 14th round pick. And then the guys he could keep for his last round, or I, I assume if he keeps more of them, more than one of them, it would be his you know last round, second to last, third to last, are Austin Riley, Michael Kopech, Jack Flaherty, Trevor Rogers, Framber Valdez, Emmanuel Klasa, and Alejandro Kirk. So I started to give him advice on this, sort of like your question before. And so I'll let you answer this and we'll see if we're in lockstep here as well. Well, I'm a little nervous because Wander Franco is there and I know you're not as big on Franco as me. And I'm looking and I'm thinking like, man, you could have a pretty sweet keeper set of all all last round picks with those guys there. So I, I'm not going to try and guess what you said. I'm going to I'm just going to go ahead and give what I would do and see if we're in lockstep but i i would keep shohei shohei fernando tatis and wander franco i could see the you know if you've been keeping if you can only keep them for three years that you might not even get wander franco's peak and you're you're already paying to keep him so that makes it a little bit interesting but i think franco's gonna gonna start mashing the ball pretty soon and then it comes down to I mean, Riley Flaherty and Trevor Rogers, all for just your last round pick. It's almost, man, now I'm, you know what? I'm not keeping Wander Franco here. I am going to go Shohei Otani, Fernando Tatis Jr., Austin Riley, and Trevor Rogers. I think that's who I'm keeping in this situation. Interesting. So I actually did say that I thought he should keep Wander. Okay. Uh, and I went Riley as the fourth. So I think like Otani and Tatis to me are, I mean, ninth round Fernando Tatis Jr. Like that's just, that's, that's, that's so obvious. Enjoy winning the league. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and I think Shohei is, is up there as well. The challenge with Shohei is that, you know, he's util only, which, which limits his value a little bit. Um, the challenge with Wander is that you already have Tatis at shortstop depending on right. what the eligibilities are, like maybe Wander also has third base, maybe Tatis also has outfield. So like there might be some flexibility there. But uh, assuming you can use both Wander and Tatis in your lineup, I, I still think you keep them. And then I I said Riley, but man, Flaherty and Rogers are the other right. sort of... I mean, I like Michael Kopech, but like he's not in the same class as Flaherty or Rogers, so he's pretty clearly behind them. And And same thing with Framber. Uh, as much as I like him, like those two guys are a step ahead. Uh, there's no way I would keep a closer over those guys. Um, and Alejandro Kirk doesn't even have a job necessarily. So like those guys are are the easy ones to pass on. So to me, it is, it's, it's four of Otani, Tatis, Franco, Riley, Flaherty, Rogers. And I don't know. I, I originally said 
Otani, Tatis, Wander, and Riley. Now I'm sort of looking and going, oh, maybe I should keep a, like maybe keeping two shortstops and no pitchers is not the right way to go. And if that's the case, then yeah, Wander's got to be on the outside looking in. Um, but I still think I'd keep the four bats. It's really hard to pass up Wander Franco at a discount in a keeper league. So I would never fault this manager for keeping him. And it, and it might end up being the right move. But um, I mean, real quick on, on Flaherty, I, I'm concerned there. Like for a last round pick, I like it in the keeper league. Sure. But Trevor Rogers last year pitched more innings than Jack Flaherty has the last two seasons combined. So, like, if it's a track record thing with Rodgers, like, that that maybe would lead some to keeping Flaherty instead, I would I would get that. But, I, like, I don't know. Flaherty's pretty unanimously being drafted as this, like, top 15, top 20 starting pitcher. And I'm sorry, have I been seeing a different pitcher the last two years? Like, granted, most of the time when he pitches, it's elite. Most of the time. But the the dude has not pitched. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair concern on him. You're just you're just strengthening my resolve to keep the four hitters and let the pitchers go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that probably ends up being the right move. All right. I think that's the advice is keep the four hitters. But if you decided to keep Flaherty or Rogers, Pete would say Rogers. I, I would I would also I think say Rogers, but I could understand either one of them. The the rest of those guys though, I could pass on. So our next question from at JustMole3 on Twitter. Justin asks us, in a Fangraphs points league, he has a $7 Dominic Smith. He's worried he might go for a lot more at auction if he gets traded or if something comes up and he has a clear job, right? I mean, right now, one of the big questions with, with Smith is where does he play? Does he play? That's been a question for the last like three years with him, and he's always managed to find time but like right now it's like i'm looking at roster resource over on Fangraphs right now and they've got cano at dh they've got uh with cano at dh that means jeff mcneil's the second baseman they've got pete alonzo at first so smith not there and they have an outfield of Marte, nemo and kana kana could be in a platoon but maybe not i, I don't know it's hard to know like a, a Kenna Smith platoon might actually make a lot of sense. I, I don't know. It's hard to know what's going to happen there. Smith's also going to be fighting for playing time with JD Davis, who's on that bench. Um, so I get the concern that like right now his value is low, but you know, he gets traded to Cleveland and there's clearly a corner outfield spot for him or a first base spot because Cleveland could use both. Does he skyrocket? Yeah, I mean, he's he's your boy, so I was going to kind of let you take that one. I mean, I feel like $7, though. Like, are we really sure that even if he gets traded to a place where he'll have everyday playing time, that he's definitely going to go for more than that? Like, I, he was just yeah. so horrible last year that, like, I, I'd be okay cutting I him. I would be okay cutting him too. I'm still a Dom Smith believer and I'm still probably going to, I'm probably going to target him in auctions, but um, three or $4, not seven. Uh, and so I think I'd be fine. I'd be fine cutting him. Um, if he was third it, base it, or it, second it, base, fine. But a first yeah. base outfield, that kind of like, I just, eh, 
Eh. Yeah. I, I think the other, the only other question is, do you, do you have a sense of when your league is likely to do your auction? Because if you think like, I've got some leagues right now that are like, we don't even know when the season's going to start. We should be waiting. Like, let's not do anything until there's an agreement. And I have other leagues that are like, the off season's been long enough already. Let's get this show on the road. Um, and so if you're, if you're in a league where you think that like this thing may drag on until June. And if that happens, you're not drafting until June. Maybe you have a little bit more reason to be concerned. If you're in a league that you think is going to draft, you know, late February, nothing's going to change between now and late February anyways. So that's the other like little wrinkle I would throw in there, but I think I would cut him either way. So Chad, don't you think that holding on to a $7 Dom Smith is almost too risky because if he doesn't get traded and he's a guy who ends up with 150 plate appearances that like $7, that's too much money, too much scratch to risk on someone that's not going to do anything. I don't think there's any way he only ends up with like 150 plate appearances though. Like, I, yeah, that was low. I mean, but I, I, I guess amount. I'll put it this way. Yeah, I, I'll put it this way. He is either going to get 500 plate appearances or you're going to cut him because he's terrible. Like, because the the only way he doesn't get enough plate appearances is... Uh, the only way he doesn't get enough plate appearances is if he's bad because if he's hitting like he did in 2019 and 2020 he will be in that lineup like he just will every day almost because he's like i mean we go back to that roster resource and talk about the guys but like he's a better hitter than marcana when he when he's at at his best he is certainly a better option than 40 year old robinson cano for your dh spot so man hold on Have some faith in Robbie Cano. He's only had two steroid suspensions. (laughs) Look, I'm sort of intrigued by Cano, maybe. But uh, I I don't believe he is better than Dominic Smith if Dominic Smith is hitting the way he was. If Dominic Smith is hitting like he did in 2021, this is all moot because he's not going to get any playing time and you're not going to want him. So, yeah, that's that's sort of where I land on this. Is like I'm not sure it's... I think the playing time will be there if you want it to be. Like, if you're a fantasy manager who has him and you're thinking, man, he's doing so well. I can't believe he's not playing more. Like, I don't I don't think that scenario plays out. Yeah, that's I, I would I would agree with that. So let's uh let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we got a few more questions to go through uh, before we get to our reliever preview. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right. Welcome back. Jumping into our next question. This comes from at Matt Mason. Matt is in a Fangraphs points league. It's league 842. If anyone cares, uh, the guys he's asking about, and before I read the list, he says he likes all of these players long-term. So he believes in all of these guys as, as you know, long-term players, but do I, do we think he could get any of them back for less if he cut them? Um, here's the list. There's a $23 Michael Conforto, $9 Ryan McMahon, $6 Andrew Vaughn, $11 Gavin Lux, $7 Alec Bohm, $10 Tony Gonsolin, $9 Aaron Ashby. So I think we could start like just sort of restating what we said before in the conversation about Gavin Lux, since he comes up here again, which is <laughs> if you think you're like, for me, philosophically, Guys who are like 10 bucks or less, I'm not cutting them to try to get them back for seven or eight. Like, it's just, it's not worth it. It's just to save a dollar or two just doesn't make a difference. Guy who's $23, like Conforto, if I think I can get him back for a lot less, like that does make a difference. So just on that basic level, like if you know in your league, look around and think, oh, McMahon at nine, maybe I could get him for seven. Oh, Lux at six, or uh, Vaughn at six, maybe I can get him for four. Like that's, if you like those guys, you believe in them long-term, you don't worry about those couple of bucks. Just keep them. Um, with that said, any reactions to this list of names? Yeah, this is an interesting list. I really like this question. Um, I'm To me, the, the only one I think I'd cut if I was all in on these guys is Lux, because I think even if Lux like performs well, like I... I I don't know. $11 feels like you're paying for him to be better than he's shown he can be. So it's like a, what's the best case scenario. Whereas I think you can get real value on these other guys at their prices. I think the $23 Conforto sticks out because he was so poor last year, but he really underperformed his expected statistics. He could end up in a pretty nice place to play. Gonsolin as of right now has a spot in that rotation. So actually at $10 I'm in and a $9 Aaron Ashby sticks out because right now he's not in the rotation, but there's a lot of hype around him. So if, if you're in on Ashby, I don't think you're getting him back much cheaper than $9. And I think he's shown the upside that it's too risky to let him go back. So Lux, I'm okay with cutting the others. I'm not in definitely not a $9 McMahon and a $6 Vaughn because I feel like they're already worth more than that. So I don't I don't think you're getting those back cheap. Yeah, M- McMahon and Vaughn stand out as the two that like you, you shouldn't be keeping. You shouldn't be cutting them for sure. Lux. I talked about Lux before at $10. I feel the same way about him at 11 right? I don't think he's worth that, and so I would cut him. But if you think he's like a $9, $10 guy and you believe in him long-term and you would pay 10 bucks for him anyways, I, I don't know. Again, this comes down to like if somebody else has him at $10, are you going to be frustrated? Or like, whatever, I can't believe they spent $10 on him. If you're going to be frustrated by that, you should probably just keep him at 11 Um Boom. Gonsolin and Ashby, I I think Bohm you actually 
like is the kind of guy who might be like a one or two dollar guy at this point. Like he's going to fall yeah. off quite a bit, I think, in terms of his his auction price. So, but again, if you're thinking like I would go to five or six bucks on Bohm, I don't know that I would cut him at seven. If you're thinking I I would love to have him for a couple bucks to see if he puts things together, then seven is too much. Um, Gonsolin and Ashby. I mean, I yeah, th- those those are both the kind of guys who. You get late into an auction. They haven't been nominated. The pitching market is getting thin. And there's like two or three teams that have got money set aside for pitching. And Ashby comes up and all of a sudden he's $16. Like that doesn't yeah. strike me as far-fetched for him or Gonsolin, especially if by the time you draft Gonsolin's like locked into a rotation spot. So I think if you're high on those guys, you should just keep them. Those prices feel high to me on both of them. They're more than I would want to pay for them. Um, but I don't... It, it, Yeah. I would probably cut them, but I, I am more... Like, I'm more likely to feel like if somebody else pays $10 for Gonsolin, like, fine. I don't, I don't mind. I'd rather someone else have him for 10 than me have him for 10 If you don't feel that way, then you should keep him. Yes, I, th- I think then we're basically telling him that he should he should hold on to these guys other than Lux, because uh, and 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 Bohm as well. I, I didn't mention Bohm when I was talking earlier, and I'm kind of with you on that one. I think he's at this point like one to two. But like you said, if if you value these guys as being more than what you're paying for them, don't risk because they're all small money. Like don't risk losing. The only one that's not small money is Conforto, but obviously he's the by far the most proven of this group. Yeah. What do you think Conforto's worth? Like if you were at an auction right now in a Fangraphs points league, like we're we're in so in league thirteen that we are both in, which is a Fangraphs points league. Uh, I'm gonna look up Conforto right now, see where he stands. Conforto is he's a free agent. He was already cut, so he was oh. cut in that league. At tw- uh, was he cut by me? Looks like it was cut by me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I didn't. Well, we know where you stand. <laughs> I cut him. It looks like I cut him at twenty five dollars. Um, yeah. How about that? I forgot I did that. But I, what I was going to say is <laughs> that at twenty three dollars, it seems to me like the concerns about his power coming back, the performance he's had recently, and his projections all point to a guy who's more like ten or eleven dollar value with upside that might get him to 14 or 15 which means that at draft he might go for 20 right as you all as you start to layer on like how things go in the auction if i i mean looking at this now like i i i literally i can't remember that i did this but i apparently cut him (laughs) on october 3rd like as soon as the season ended oh i might have cut him got it i can tell you what happened here i started a bunch of auctions really late in the season because I would, there were some free agents I was interested in carrying into the offseason. And I made the decision that I would rather carry those guys into the offseason than a $25 Conforto. So I didn't even wait for the offseason to cut them. <laughs> and that's, I, to me, I think at $23, I think if you want, like, I think if you really want Conforto and you're willing to bid $20 on him, that should be enough. And if it's not, if somebody else goes to 22 23 that's a case where I'd be okay letting him go. And let's like, and then go find a different outfielder to spend twenty bucks on. That's more, uh, less risky. 
Yeah. Go find felt, a more or less risky outfielder. It felt weird saying to keep Conforto at twenty three dollars. I I actually got him in our mock auction um, for fifteen, and I don't I don't remember, but I don't think I would have gone much higher. I just remember thinking like you know Conforto's got pretty good plate discipline, and and obviously that helps in in Fangraphs points. And outfield is not as deep as we think it is, right? In these five outfielder super deep roster leagues, outfield dries up pretty thin. So if you got a guy you like, hold on to him. But coming off the season he is, and given the unknown of where he ends up. I think I think twenty three dollars. Yeah, I could see it being a little bit too much. So there you go. It's a a keep for McMahon and Vaughn Gonsolin and Ashby. If you believe in them, which you say you do, it seems like they're keeps. Lux, we would cut. Boom, we would cut. Conforto, uh, we gave you no help. I would cut him. Pete could see cutting him, but isn't really sure. So I don't know. I already cut him at twenty five for what that's worth. So there, there's, there's my advice. So our next question comes from at Mark Wearsbeck. And uh, he's asking what I think is a question a lot of people probably have. I know I certainly have this concerns about this guy or questions about this guy. He has a $14 Luke Voigt in a Fangraphs points league. He also has Reese Hoskins and CJ Crone. He didn't give us the prices, but it sounds like he's planning on keeping them. Um, What are you doing Let's let's leave out the fact that he have, has Hoskins and Crone for a moment because it's a different. You know, you're talking about your third first baseman versus your first or your second is a different thing. Just in a vacuum, fourteen dollar Luke Voigt. Yeah, I mean, so I, I an analyst I like referred to him as the biggest bargain in drafts right now because his ADP is outside really the top two hundred, and he has proven that when healthy. And right now at this moment, he's healthy, that he's like a, a like a 900 OPS guy for the Yankees. With that said, the Yankees seem absolutely determined to replace him at first base. So much so that they literally did it in the middle of the season last year. And if they somehow miss out on both Freeman and Matt Olson, really feels back they're bringing feels like they're bringing back Rizzo, which like at best makes Voight a platoon player and probably more likely means he gets moved out of Yankee stadium. So at $14, I guess that's my long way of saying like, ah, just a little too much. Yeah. I, I, I also, I think it's a little too much. I'm, I'm less sure that you are, that he's not going to end up starting for the Yankees because they may, yes, they may try to trade for Olsen. Yes, they may try to assign Freeman. They may try to bring back Rizzo. But I think the fact that they upgraded last year was less about Voight as a player and more about his health at the time. And what I don't know is how healthy is he now? And he hasn't been consistently healthy. And I do think one of the risks with him is that, like, you know, some teams you're like, oh, Luke Voigt is their first baseman. He's probably going to miss 40 games at some point. But like, he'll, you know, he'll play 60. He'll miss 40. He'll come back for 60, whatever. The Yankees, if if Voigt's missing 40 games, he's done. Because they're going to go replace him. And they're not going to replace him with some like random dude they can pick up. They're going to go get someone to lock down that position which is what really what I think happened last year, right? It wasn't so much that they were like, wow, Luke Voigt's not good enough. We need a better first baseman. They were like, he's hurt. We're not waiting. And if we're not waiting, we're going to go get someone legit. And then once we get someone legit, now Voigt is behind them. So I, I think I would cut. 
when you add in the fact that this team is planning on keeping Hoskins and Cron, then like you don't need a third first baseman. And if Voight were like, if Voight were like $3 or $5, then I'm like, okay, you don't need three first basemen, but like $3 Voight is a better bet than a $3 prospect. So, and if he is healthy and hitting, then you trade Hoskins or Cron at some point, or you trade him. But like at 14, he just doesn't have that much additional value. I, I'd move on. And even if he's like, let's say everything goes right for Luke Voigt. I'm not sure he puts forward a better season than Hoskins or Crone, right? So you might end yeah. up just paying a hefty price for what ends up being best case scenario, your third best first baseman. Yeah. Let's jump to our next one. This one comes from Bobby Marco. He's at I'm not Bobby. There you go. He's <laughs> name's Bobby, but he's not Bobby. Something's uh, fishy. He here. has. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's in a five by five that uses net stolen bases and on base percentage and uses quality starts and saves plus holds. So five by five, but some, some changed out categories there. It's a deep league in terms of rosters. Uh, they run two catcher league, five outfield spots, a corner infielder and a mid middle infielder and a util nine pitchers and 10 bench spots. Uh, it's a $263 budget. So for those of you who play auto new, if you think about this, this is very similar to auto, auto new roster. It's two catchers instead of one and nine pitchers instead of 10, basically, but a $263 budget instead of a $400 budget. So a little bit less of a deep bench. It's only 10 on the bench instead of 18. So that's, that makes a difference too. But like you're actually starting just as many people. So with that, won the league last year, has to decide on three players to keep. His list is $5 Austin Riley, $6 Jonathan India, $3 Akil Badu, $3 Tony Kemp, $3 Ian Happ, $6 Tony O'Neill, $18 Castellanos, $17 Altuve, $3 Schwindel, $23 Starling Marte, $12 Walker Bueller, $4 Logan Webb, and a $3 Shane McClanahan. Uh, his question for us was, should it be Riley, O'Neill, and Bueller? Um, I'll tell you what, what I did to try to answer this. And you can see, Pete, you can see my notes. I tried to list out the bats in, in the rank order I would put them based on their value and the arms in the rank order I would put them based on their value. Um, I, I did not, I did end up with Riley and O'Neill. I think to me, uh, the $5 Riley and the $6 O'Neill, like, like I like Jonathan India, but at six dollars, I don't think he's as good as those two. Um, I like Ian Happ, but not nearly as much as them. Like Starling Marte and Castellanos and Altuve are all bats I like a lot, but they're so much more expensive than those guys that it doesn't. It's just not enough to to swing me to them. Um, the others, Altuve, Badu, Schwindel, are those are all guys I like, but they weren't really in the conversation for me. Tony Kemp, I don't even really like that much, so. um so i ended up with riley and o'neill in india as my top three bats the arms i ranked them webb mcclanahan bueller based on price four dollar webb three dollar mcclanahan twelve dollar bueller in that order and i think webb would be my third keeper i would keep riley and o'neill and i would keep webb with webb being the four dollar webb over either a three dollar mcclanahan or a six dollar jonathan india you want to critique yeah, that? I, no, I think that's actually 
if, if this were me, I think this is kind of a slam dunk. Those guys, Riley O'Neill and Webb, I guess if you're really worried about O'Neill, because I know he's, he's quite polarizing and I doubt this manager is because they won the league. So they probably like Tyler O'Neill, but if you're worried about O'Neill, then keep the $3 McClanahan with Webb and then use that money you save to to buy some bats. I just, I love the randomness of Tony Kemp in this. I just think that's so awesome. It's like all these terrific players and then it's like, there's Tony Kemp too. What should I do with him? I love that. The, the funniest thing about this is he listed, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, like 14 or 15 players. That's not his full roster. It's not like he listed everyone in this roster and so Kemp is there he he went out and looked at like these are the guys who I think are really interesting and worth keeping and like you know what dude Tony Kemp not one of those guys (laughs) I wonder uh, if it's a net stolen base thing is Tony Kemp like a really efficient I I don't know I will dive into this mystery but uh, we can keep the train moving let's pull up let's pull up (laughs) Tony Kemp's page real quick and take a look and see so last year Tony Kemp got 397 plate appearances (laughs) <laughs> he stole eight bases. He was caught twice. So it is not uh, a net stolen base thing. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> All right. It's not that. Well, so, the mystery lives regardless, on. Yeah, r- regardless for me, Riley O'Neill, Webb, um, I can understand why you have Bueller there. I don't trust Bueller. And so I would rather have Webb and $8 to spend than have Bueller at 12. So that's that's where I landed on that. Definitely. Uh. I'm going to skip over this one because it's a little bit more of a a philosophical question. And we're going to go to our last one and then we'll come back. So from the Auto News Slack community, uh, at Arthur is in League 1044. It's a five-by-five league. His team is named the Arthurian Legends. He won in 2019, won in 2020, but slipped to fifth last year. He's got Nola uh, and he's on the fence about him. And his starting pitcher, starting pitching in general feels weaker to him than his relievers. His team, he he always feels like he lacks speed, which I think is true for a lot of people in five by five leagues. A lot of the time, he just traded a three dollar Joe Barlow for a six dollar Garrett Hampson in, in part to address that. Um, but he just sort of wants us to look at his roster in ten forty four, and I think diagnose it for him a little bit. Like what what do we think is interesting? What do we think does he need to do? So I am now pulling up their Ethereum legends. Um, and just before we look at his roster, last year, his offense, I mean, you can see why he was worried about stolen bases because he got eight points for hit runs, eight for home runs, seven for RBIs, only four for average and two for stolen bases. And then he was really good on the pitching front, eight and a half points for wins, 12 for saves, 10 for strikeouts, nine for ERA, 10 for whip. Uh, he easily like, Average and stolen bases are where he got got messed up. Trading Barlow, he this is going to fit right into your point from before. He had 123 saves. The second place team had 100. So you can get rid of a full on closer there and not really lose much. Like even if you lose 30 saves, you lose two or three points. If you lose 20 saves, you lose nothing. So smart move there on the stolen bases. He had 76. He would need another like 25 to 30 stolen bases to get middle of the pack. There were, there was like the fifth, sixth, seventh place teams were at 102, 102, 101. So that gives you a sense of sort of what he would need to do to get back into that mix and stolen bases. 
let's take a quick look at his roster. He's already cut down to 28 players. So do you have his roster pulled up? I do. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. So what are your, what are your thoughts on this roster? Uh, well, as I'm going through it, I mean, it, I think it needs more studs in the offense for sure. You know, like the, the stolen bases are one thing, but I think, I think Hampson and Badu, I, I liked addressing it with getting a $6 Hampson. I, I think that might feel expensive, but for this kind of format, I, I like Hampson. I think he's going to kind of run wild um, in Colorado. The pitching is deep. I mean, I, I'm higher, I think, on you Darvish than a lot of other people. He's got the cheap Verlander, um, you know, a cheap Ranger Suarez, Aranola at the top. So I, I, my focus is going to be on my offense because I look at this and I just see guys who I feel like either on the decline, you know, maybe their best years are behind him. Definitely Jose Abreu, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if we expect that average to return, which kind of just makes him, in my mind, an average first baseman who's going to get above average RBI. Carlos Correa is a better baseball player than fantasy player. So I'm saving my money to get some stud bats because I, I could see him being kind of behind the eight ball in a lot of these offensive categories next year. Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense. I'm, I'm looking at now their their free agents and like they're they're like they're not at the cut deadline yet. So things can obviously move around quite a bit. Um, there are not a lot of sort of studs out there. Um, there's some interesting names like Yuli Gurriel for a team that struggled in average is an interesting option for a first baseman or a util bat. Um, Colton Wong, he just, he, he's got two second basemen. So maybe Wong's not a great option, but Wong stole 12 bases, had a 272 average last year. Uh, Justin Turner is another sort of high average guy. Michael Brantley is out there as a high average guy. Um, from a stud perspective, I mean, there is Mike Trout is available. And he certainly will help you in average and everything except really stolen bases, most likely. Um, yeah, I'm just sort of poking around. I mean, Alex Bregman should give you some pretty decent average, and he's available. So, I mean, it, it's hard to know sort of where things are going to go. Those are guys I would I, I'd be looking at, though. Looking at the trade block right now, um, Essentially, there's a team that's got three catchers on the block. What is what is our our question? It's like oh, he's only got Alejandro Kirk. Is. He's got Kirk, which is super fun, but you need someone else. Yeah. <laughs> and so the the Whamco Geckos have a twelve dollar Wilson Contreras, a six dollar Mitch Garver, and a three dollar Travis Darno. Uh, I think I'd be looking pretty hard at that Garver. I could pry yeah. away a six dollar Mitch Garver. Like that'd be a real nice addition. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to see who else is. I can't go look at the trade block, unfortunately. So I'm just looking team by team. That team doesn't have anybody on the block. This team doesn't. This team has a Lindor, but it's a $37 Lindor. And he's got, he's got know. pitching to trade from. I mean, he's coming from a mm-hmm. real position of strength, particularly as you as you noted with with the saves. So moving a closer for a, a slight upgrade at, at backup catcher or it's starting catcher in addition to a stud and then going out and getting Mike Trout in the auction. And all of a sudden this team could be, could be a juggernaut. I, I like that you mentioned Trout. Cause that's, that's what I'm thinking for this team. It's kind of easy to say, right? Like, Hey, here's my suggestion. Add Mike, Mike Trout. Trout. Yeah. Add Mike Trout to your fantasy team. It's going to be so much better, but like in this context, that's a, that's a legit solution um, to, I think the, the, the problem of, of high end star power here on the offense. What do you think about his Arenado, or not his Arenado, his Nola? Because he specifically asked about that. 
Um, I, I wouldn't want to, I don't know. I feel like Aaron Nola could perform up to $34, right? Like that, that is within his range of outcomes. I'd be worried if I cut Aaron Nola that, I mean, I guess I did say his, his pitching is an area of strength. So like if he needed the money, then sure. Cut Aaron Nola to fix the offense, but he's going into the draft with 114 bucks as of right now, or I should say going into the auction. So it's not like he needs the money. In which case, I'd just rather hold on to the stud in, in NOLA. Interesting, yeah. So as I'm, as I'm poking around at the other teams in this league to look at who is, who's on the trade block, uh, one of the team names is at Bunt Singles. Is that, <laughs> is that our fellow Pitcherless Podcast Network host, Jordan White? That might be his team. I would assume I, it has to be. Otherwise, I would he has like promoters. Has yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't have everyone on the block for for this guy to trade for. So it doesn't really help. Um, and this is, I now have confirmation that it's Jordan because this team has a $3 Aaron Ashby. Uh, and there's yeah, there no way this team. So it's either it's either Jordan or he has a stalker. <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's the only other possibility. So. Uh, Jordan, if you're listening, that's probably you. Oh, you know um, what? I see an $8 Nico Horner, and I know he was a fan of Horner as well. So Okay, there you go. I think we're, I think we're so figuring getting, this out. Getting back to trade block stuff. Uh, here, here's one I do like. Uh, there is a team with a $26 Cattell Marte on the block, and I think that'd be an interesting addition for this Definitely. team. Um he doesn't steal as like, he feels like, you know, he's a middle infielder slash center fielder. He feels like he should steal a lot of bases. He doesn't, but he will provide a high average and a lot of other stuff. And he'll chip in a few stolen bases. So that's another angle I might go. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I would, if you can trade from that strength, like Pete was saying to get a stud bat, you should, if not try to try to just bolster your offense now. And then, yeah, go go big at the auction and and wait to see who else gets cut. But like, I would be. I mean, like right now, this team has twenty eight players, two hundred eighty six dollars spent. I would be going with a pretty extreme stars and scrubs, yeah, in the auction, and I would easily spend a hundred bucks on like two studs and then just like pace my way through the rest of the draft if I needed to. Uh, so, because other than that, there's a lot of really good pieces here. So that'd be my. Thing. I just. If you roster Joey Gallo, like you really have to have someone to balance that out in terms of batting average. Cause I mean, his, he's not, he's just going to hit for a terrible average. That's, that is the reality with Joey Gallo. That's where we are. And so you've got to find somebody to balance that out. And I think Mike Trout could be that guy if, if Trout somehow is able to give us 140 games. Yeah. That's a good call. So our last question, this comes from at M Goodrum on the auto news slack. And he's just sort of curious with the lockout going on. He wants to know if we have suggestions or recommendations for how to adjust your thinking about keepers in the face of a lockout of unknown duration. Um, you know, it's different than what we faced in 2020 because the minor leagues will play, but he's just sort of curious. Like, are you thinking about keepers differently? And when he asked me this question in Slack, I was like, man, I haven't really thought about what I would do differently because of the lockout. Uh, I'll get back to you. But I still don't really know that I have an answer for anything I'm doing differently. And that might be just because I don't I don't know if I'm doing anything differently. I'm not. 
And like, I, I don't see a reason to. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess like if you told me this was the season was going to get canceled, I might do things differently. Sure. But I don't think that's a likely outcome. And so I'm not, I'm not playing that way. And like, do I think there's a chance that we get like a 1995 style 144 game season or maybe even 120 or 110 game season? Maybe, but it doesn't really change strategically who I'm keeping. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of really specific situations where, I don't know, let's say we find out this season is going to be, you know, 40, you know, not 40, but like 60 games, like 2020, like a real worst case scenario. Maybe then I'm thinking, well, is it worth it maybe to keep my Andrew Vaughn over my Joey Votto? Because I could end up, if Votto slumps for the 60-game season, well, now I'm really stuck with an older first baseman and there's a chance Vaughn breaks out. Whereas if it's a full season, I'm looking at Joey Votto as a potential you know, top 10, maybe even top 5 first baseman based on what he put forward last year. And Andrew Vaughn still isn't quite there yet for me yet. So I'd rather, I mean, we're, we're really talking short-term a lot when we talk keeper leagues. It's, it's different from Dynasty, where maybe I would rather keep Joey Votto. I know you like Andrew Vaughn, so the, maybe the example is a little weak. But I guess in that specific scenario, I could see adjusting. But it'd have to be a really, I'd have to know what's going on. Because I can tell you right now that there's no way I'm changing what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's right. I think there, if I knew for sure that there was going to be a weird season and by weird, I mean less than 80 games that um, I might change some very specific things. I think it's a good way of putting it, but as of right now, I still think we get most of a season. I'm still going to play it out like a normal season. And so based on that, I'm, I'm not doing anything different. So yeah, with that, we've been going a little over an hour. Um, we said we we're going to get to our relief pitchers. We're going to get to them. It's going to be a quick conversation, but that is okay. So I'm going to start off by quickly reading off our top 10 relievers for keeper leagues. Start with Pete. Pete, you've got Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks, Edwin Diaz, Emmanuel Clase, Rizel Iglesias, Araldis Chapman, Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Presley, Craig Kimbrell, and Blake Trainin. I've got Hendricks and Hader 1-2. You had them 2-1, so I flipped them. I've got Klasa and Diaz 3-4. You had them 4-3, so I flipped them. And then we get into some differences. I had Gallegos 5, Camilo Duvall 6, Iglesias 7, Presley 8. Then I have Jordan Romano 9 and Craig Kimbrell 10. I, I guess um, I, there's really there, there's really not a lot to talk about here, I don't think. <laughs> and we, we talked about this as we were getting ready for the show and as we were making these lists, but like, at least for me, my thinking on closers, especially like these lists are for a five by five league. I just care who's closing. And I don't, I don't trust, like, I find it hard to believe that Hendricks, Hader, Klasa, and Diaz won't be closing a year from now. And so they're my top four. And I think Diaz is the most likely of those four to lose the job. And so I've got him fourth. Everyone else, I'm like, yeah, they're closing now. So I like them. <laughs> and that's, that's sort of it. Um, Maybe I'm too high on Duvall because of that. Like maybe Camila Duvall shouldn't be sixth on my list. But I really like what he brings to the table, and I think he's the best option for the Giants, and I think they're going to roll with him. So that's why he's up there. Uh, but like, I don't know. Like I'm not putting Devin Williams on this list. Are you? Obviously, you're not. You didn't. It's a silly question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm in the same boat. And, and that's actually why I had some of those older guys higher, right? Because... 
I mean, even if you're keeping a closer, it's not a long-term keeper, right? Like we keep a, a Fernando Tatis Jr. because we're going to maximize however many years we can keep him for. That's what we're going to do. But even if you have the best closer on the board, which is either Hendricks or Hader, I prefer Hader, you prefer Hendricks, who cares? Tomato, tomato. You know, you're probably three years from now, they're probably not going to be on your team anymore. So just get the guy that's closing right now. And that's it. And so I, I guess that's why I had Chapman and Iglesias higher uh, on my list than, than you did. You went for some of those younger guys. But honestly, if they're a closer and they have a job right now, and I do care that they're on a good team because they're going to get more save opportunities, then you're, you're probably going to make my list. The problem is we don't have a lot of answers at closer right now. So there's not even that many players to choose from. Yeah. And my, my strategy in saves leagues that are keeper leagues is I like to go cheap on closers at the draft um for most of my closer spots like i'm in a league i've got three relief pitchers i will often pay up for one but then i like to go cheap with the rest i play the wire i find saves where i can find them and if i stumble into a cheap closer then when i get to keepers the next year i keep them (laughs) and that's fine but there's no point at which i'm sitting there thinking like oh i'm gonna lock in this closer well i shouldn't say there's no point last year in this league, I made a trade where one of the pieces I picked up was a $9 Josh Hader. And in this league, closers are often, you know, the top closers go for 20 plus. And so I did when I traded for Hader at $9 last year, I was like, okay, I can lock him in as my like lead closer for the next two to three years. But had I gotten a cheap Emmanuel Klasse, I might have said, okay, I can lock him in for like a year or two. Had I gotten a cheap Rizal Iglesias? I wouldn't have even been thinking about next year. It just would have been, okay, I got a cheap Iglesias. I needed saves. Great. It, there's only really a very, very finite number of closers that I would sit there and say, yes, this guy is probably going to be on my team multiple years. And it might just be Hendricks and Hayter. Probably Clase and Diaz, but it might be just Hendricks and Hayter. And even those two, like if one of my keepers is, is one of those guys and unless I'm getting like some great deal, like, ah, like, okay, great. I'll have you for, for 2022 and I'm going to assume nothing goes wrong, but it's such a volatile position. I, I just, I should, it, it's such a volatile role. Yeah. I should note that the league where I did this is we keep 14. So yeah, you're keeping so then, 14. Then absolutely. Then it's right. If, if I was going to keep five, there's almost no scenario in which Hader, Hendrick, any of these guys are going to rise up to the level of being keepers for me to keep five. I'm just not going to value them highly enough to do that. So, yeah, we we said we would provide relief pitcher lists. We have provided relief pitcher lists. <laughs> Enjoy them. Uh, I have very little more to add. Anything else you want to add to the relief pitcher list? No, not really. I mean, something you just said kind of stuck out to me where like, I guess if it was a five keeper and it was like, I don't really have a fifth option that's obvious, but I could take this guy who is definitely a closer and I can keep him with my 22nd pick because, you know, I added him off free agency. I actually don't have anything wrong with that because then you don't have to worry about it in the draft. You know, you can just wait until that closer rush goes and then start working on that next tier because you already got there. That's literally the only situation in which I care to keep these guys. Yeah, even that in a five keeper, um, you're setting yourself concerned. Back. Yeah, I, I just I would be concerned if my team wasn't strong enough to have five keepers that I liked better <laughs> than a closer. Like if if I really am like, man, I can only come up with four except for this closer. Like then I'm worried about the strength of my team. So 
But yes, in that case, sure. Keep the closer. Uh, The other thing we've done in all these previews is we've talked a little bit about guys who aren't on our list who are really interesting to us. Um, And so I do want to throw a couple of names out there. I am a big fan of David Bednar. Uh, If I were more confident that he was going to be the man in Pittsburgh, um, I think that he'd be, he certainly would be sniffing my list, if not on it. The challenge with him right now is uh, Pittsburgh is not competing and they don't like to spend money and saves make relievers expensive. And so I think there's a very real chance that they like leave Chris Stratton in the closer role or something like that, or split Bednar and Stratton in order to keep Bednar's value down, uh, which is obnoxious and annoying and shouldn't happen, but it might. Um, yeah. I don't even know that I've got, I think that that's the name I wanted to throw out there. Uh, Scott Barlow with Kansas city. I like, I don't know any other closers that are, that you like that are later closers. Uh, well, I made a note that, um, I obviously I like Garrett Whitlock and I think it's, I think all of a sudden it, we're not acknowledging the reality that he's probably going to be the Red Sox closer because not only you think did so? they, well, I, I mean, where's the spot in the rotation? Like Heimblum said last year that they wanted to make, that they view Whitlock as a starter and they should, he throws four different pitches. He's not your typical closer, but he was the one as, as the playoffs progressed, it was very clear that if the Red Sox thought they could win the game, they're bringing in Whitlock to end the situation. If that's for, you know, three innings or one inning that Whitlock is going in there because they have no one else to turn to. I I think the only reason why his ADP is outside the top 200 is because that we just assume they're going to sign someone. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I mean, looking at their rotation right now, you've got Yvaldi Sale and Pavetta at the top. You've got Hauk listed. So roster resources Hauk listed as the sixth starter, but in a six-man rotation. And then they've got Rich Hill and Michael Waka as the four right. and five above Hauk. So leaving aside the rant you're about to go on about Hill and Waka being above Tanner Hauk, <laughs> uh, if you want to know where the where those innings are going to come from, like where did the rotation spot comes from, it's from Waka being bad and Hill being injured or old or not able to keep going. I, I think the bigger question with Whitlock is like if you think he's an, a starter long term and he's in your bullpen and you have a perfectly reasonable Matt Barnes who can get three outs in a empty inning. Why wouldn't you keep Whitlock going three, four innings at a time when you can instead of putting him in the closer role. I mean, I ideally sure, but if if Matt Barnes is as bad as he was last year, that it's going to be too much of an issue. It's going to be one of those where like we just have to put this guy in the closer's role cuz he's the only one that can do the job. And it they also have James Paxton who, who could be back sometime in July. They've Connor Seabold got a few starts last year. Brian Bello was awesome. He's all of a sudden flying up prospect charts all over the place. I think he was on Keith Law's top 100. So if Whitlock isn't fully stretched out in the spring as a starter, then I think it's easier for them to say, okay, you know what? Hill's going to be missing two weeks with a blister or, you know, Waka's pitching poorly. Let's try out these other guys before we take out the only working piece in our bullpen. Um, it, it could be that they do that like uh, – I don't know if you remember what Ross Stripling and Julio Urias were doing a few years ago with the Dodgers where like one would start four innings, then the other one would come in. If they did that with Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock, I think that would be pretty awesome. 
but I, it's just hasn't how they've, they did a little bit last year, but that's not really how they've operated in the past, especially when the bullpen has been this bad. I mean, they, they just have a straight up bad bullpen that I'm terrified if they take out Garrett Whitlock. So now I'm thinking, well, it, all of a sudden the market for Kimbrell is going to be picking up. There's not a lot out there. I don't think they want to fork over the change for Kenley Jansen. And I, I think that all of a sudden it's looking like Whitlock is going to be the closer. Man, that's an interesting one. I mean, I think if, if you know, he, he went the the Papelbon route where they were like, yeah, he's going to be a starter, but then he just never was. And he was a closer. He could be a closer for years. And that's, that's, that would move him up onto my list. I just, I still think he ends up in the rotation at some point. And I think because he ends up in the rotation at some point, I think they're going to try to keep him out of the ninth inning. Well, I shouldn't say, I think he will get the ninth inning, but I think he will also get a lot of like, there's one out in the fifth and we need someone. And he pitches the fifth and the sixth and the seventh. Andrew Miller. And then you get, you know, Taylor and Whitlock or Taylor and Barnes for the eighth and ninth or something like that. Like, I think you're going to get a lot of that too. So we'll see. Oh, anyway, Matt Barnes in the ninth inning. I just, <laughs> I think it might be Matt Barnes. So be ready. So with <sighs> that, uh, I think we've covered relief pitchers as much as we need to. We did the mailbag. I think the mailbag was, was exciting and interesting. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Remember to subscribe everywhere. Podcasts are subscribable. Mm-hmm. Leave us ratings and reviews. Follow us on Twitter at Keeper Cut. You can follow Pete at Pete B Baseball. You can find me at Chad Young. If you've got questions for us, hit us up. We we may not do another mailbag anytime soon, but we we are always happy to answer questions on Twitter. So you know where to find us. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>